I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. On today's episode, Rove returns to discuss episode four of the Marvel series, Loki, and I give a little tribute to director Richard Donner. My name is Justin Hamilton, and I want to know why I don't have an equal amount of security for Big Squid. Hello, thank you for joining me today. Uh, Before we get into the podcast, two quick things. First, I'd like to thank everyone who joined in the remote viewing party for our 100th episode on Saturday. If you missed it, there were quite a lot of us watching the movie The Untouchables. We started at 8pm Eastern Standard Time, and some people were listening to the podcast while watching the movie. Uh, Some people had already listened to the podcast, and then were watching the film. You could do it however you wanted to, but we all jumped on a thread on my private Facebook page, and it was great. It was really fun, and I thoroughly appreciated the people who were a part of it, and uh, a big thank you to everyone who sent very nice messages uh, about getting to 100 episodes. Like, I know there's longer podcasts out there or whatever, but uh, as I said in a, in a previous uh, episode, it was always just meant to be about Watchmen and then it was going to be done. So to get to 100 is great and uh, I'm really happy with the way it has developed into what it is today. And, you know, we'll try and keep you entertained uh, for the next 100. We've got some good ideas coming up and the good thing about this lockdown here in Sydney is it's given me an opportunity to really look at some of this stuff that I've been wanting to do and there's just been some things that have been going on that have made it a bit difficult, which we will talk about in the near future. I have gossip for you. That'll be fun, won't it? Uh, I should also give a big shout out to some of the people who were on the thread for the Untouchables 
uh, viewing party. Uh, big shout out to Wayne, who had never seen the movie before and was really entertaining as it all unraveled before him. We got to a point where I think it was around <laughs> Sean Connery dying, or maybe it was even Oscar. And I think Wayne was about to have a nervous breakdown, but I think he ended up enjoying it in the end. And good on everyone for not getting ahead. Everyone was just kind of enjoying Wayne and his experience. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, You would know Wayne. He was on uh, the first season talking about Watchmen. So good guy. And I'm glad that we could uh, help him break his untouchables cherry in a, in a safe place. And also Sarah Bennett, who won the latest competition to win shit off my desk. We had a competition uh, during the night while we were watching the untouchables. There was a joke that I really bit my lip from making because it was childish and it was stupid and it made me laugh. But I thought, you know, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to make this joke. But instead, I'll see if anyone can pick up on what the joke was. And good on Sarah for being as childish as me. She picked it very easily. And so she is the winner of Shit Off My Desk. There's some uh, pretty amazing things in there on their way to the UK. And there's some things that she will look at and think, what? But I'm not going to tell you what it is. Let's wait for her to uh, receive the package and then then all will be revealed of what I sent to her. Ah, so much fun. Uh, so you, maybe we'll do another remote viewing party. That was, that was fun. Let's, let's see what happens with this uh, lockdown. I have a feeling that it might go a little bit longer than this Friday. I kind of feel like it should go longer than this Friday. But if it does, I'll give you a heads up. And if you didn't get an opportunity to join in this time, uh, maybe you can uh, join us for the next one. Uh, of course, you can still listen to the Untouchables podcast either on its own or in sync with the movie. I was wrapped when, because I recorded it all by myself on the Friday, and then while I was watching the movie on the Saturday with everyone, I had to listen to the podcast. <laughs> I had to listen to myself for two hours. Oh my God, I'm in hell. But. I had to listen to it because people were commenting on things in the podcast as well. And I was wrapped with how it synced up. So as I said, you can just potter about and do whatever you want to do. My mate Mitch, who runs All Star Comics down in Melbourne, said that he really enjoyed it uh, just commuting. And he loves that movie, so he could picture where I was in the film. So it was good to hear it works that way. And I was wrapped to see how it syncs up. So however you choose to do it, get to it. Also, if you'd like to join our private Facebook page, Big Squid with Justin Hamilton, please come over and we'll get you in. Our crew is growing and there's a bunch of fun threads rolling along. It's it's not unlike the timeline in Loki. It is growing and branching off and it is well beyond my control. I'm going to have to get in there. I'm going to have to cut off the branches. Make sure I'm in control. But if you love discussing TV, movies, music, or whatever it is that you're enjoying, I don't know what you're enjoying, but whatever you're enjoying, come over and hang out with our gang. It's a really fun place and lots of uh, interesting stuff going on. Now, uh, the second thing that I wanted to talk to you about is that I woke up today to the news that the director, Richard Donner, had died at the age of 91. 91. Ah, For those of you who don't know Richard Donner's work, he was the director of The Goonies, The Lethal Weapon franchise, The Omen, Lady Hawk, Scrooged, so many movies. 
and most importantly for me, the original Superman. And what I loved about his films is that no matter how big the budget, he never forgot the heart of his stories, and therefore they just stood out amongst the countless imitators. Superman was the first movie I cried in, like properly cried in. It was the scene after Pa Kent dies of a heart attack, and already you're full of emotion, and it is just Clark and his mum at home, and then Clark discovers his calling and realises that his destiny lies elsewhere, and he has to leave her behind on the farm. And I was so touched by this moment that Superman became a firm favourite for decades to come. I'd read the comics, but when you see it on the big screen, especially that film, he just became something else. Now remember, I was six years old when I saw this at the cinema and, you know, like I'm a kid, but I understood the empathy behind the decision-making the character of Clark Kent had to make. And also as a kid who came from a single-parent background, I could recognise that far into my future, I might have to make a similar decision. Not to go and fight crime, but to follow my own path. And this is what I talk about when I say, I love a movie with big ideas, I love a movie with big set pieces, but unless the parts that I can relate to make sense, as in the way we treat one another or the way people react to one another. If that doesn't make sense, then the movie will leave me cold. And Donna's Superman, channeled to perfection through the brilliance of Christopher Reeve, made me not only believe that a man could fly, but he made me believe in a person who just wants to do the best by everyone. Christopher Reeve's Superman is strong, funny, sexy, and dependable. You understand why he is attracted to Margot Kidder's Lois Lane, who, by the way, is just as good as Christopher Reeve, because... Her Lois is also funny, smart, and really tough. You understood why Superman loved Lois because she is the most interesting person in the world for him. How could he not fall for her just as she falls for him physically and figuratively? Donna never lost sight of the fact that Superman isn't a goody two-shoes. He's a good man doing his best to do what he can to make the world a better place. And I don't think that is old-fashioned. I think to believe otherwise is the domain of the youth and the immature. How much better would the world be if they took on the traits of that version of Superman? One final word on Donna's Superman, he took the time to give us the small beats, and those moments are some of the best. If you don't believe me, go and look at the scene where Christopher Reeve as Clark goes to Lois's place, and when she's in the other room, he wrestles with whether he should tell her or not that he's Superman. Reeve takes off his glasses... And just through his posture and the way he holds himself, he suddenly looks like Superman. Like, it is phenomenal acting. And then Lois returns and he quickly slips the glasses back on and the shoulders hunch and the posture kind of strengths. And he immediately returns to being Clark Kent. If you've ever read the Grant Morrison, Frank Quietly, Jamie Grant Superman, uh, all-star Superman, go and have a look at the way Quietly draws Clark Kent and the way he draws Superman and they're quite clearly the same character but quietly such an amazing artist and it's all through posture that you can see they are very distinct characters and I would not be surprised like I can't back this up but I wouldn't be surprised if that scene was an important scene for the story that they wanted to tell and it's all down to that beautiful acting and that beautiful direction and that they took the time to show us that Donna understood the character and together with Christopher Reeve created a version of the character that will burn brightly forever. 
Thanks for all the great work, Richard Donner, and thank you for teaching a six-year-old boy how to love the bombastic and gentle moments in storytelling. Now, let's bring in Rove so we can talk all about episode four of Loki. This isn't about you. On behalf of the Time Variance Authority, I hereby arrest you for crimes against the sacred timeline. So everything is written. Past, present, future. There's no such thing as free will. a unique low-key perspective. Come on. What did you expect? You better be ready. If you could possibly sheathe your smile for a moment, I have an offer for you. That's why I found you. Glorious. So there was a lot more to like in this episode, but I'm just going to get straight to the highlight. Normally we would talk about other things and then we would eventually get to it, but I can't wait. The multiple Loki variants, including Richard E. Grant as the Jack Kirby-looking version, was one of the best things I've seen in a TV series in a long time. But before we even unpack that, there was an alligator Loki. So in another universe, what rove animal do you think exists? Well, my, my head straight, straight away went to ferret. Um <laughs> I would like to think that my spirit animal is a rainbow lorikeet. Right. Uh, I've always felt very connected. Well, uh, I feel very uh, enmeshed with them in a, on a spiritual level. Like if you've, if you've read the, the series, His Dark Materials. Yes. Um, and the idea that you're almost part of your soul uh, is with you as an animal that walks beside you your whole life. I always thought mine would be a rainbow lorikeet. It would be my Patronus in Harry Potter, as much as the Harry Potter fan app says that it's a polecat, which is ridiculous. I don't know how that happened. But, um, yeah, I like the idea of this, this, these bright little birds that are very small in stature but very big on personality, very chatty. Um, I, feel, I feel that, that would be, I would be quite connected with that. That could be... I could see a, an alternate timeline where there's some kind of bird uh, television equivalent of, of a talk show hosted by a small lorikeet. Yeah. Absolutely. Lorikeet Live would watch. <laughs> I would definitely watch that as well. I feel like uh, mine would be a meerkat. I feel like a meerkat would be a little bit like, hey, what are you doing? You know, getting around, got to do these things. I read up that meerkats don't, even the ones that don't have uh, babies, help look after the babies. So I feel like I'd be 
that kind of dude. Mick and Hammer. I have seen you, much like them, uh, first thing in the morning, out warming yourself by getting your belly in the sun, yes. which is a little trait that they have. Yeah, and not many people know that about me, but that's how I start every day. Vitamin D straight yeah, through I, the belly. Can I, can I tell you a very nerdy thing? And and for all the comic book nerd stuff that we talk about, and big shout out to you for last week doing a, a, a bit of a Kang backstory for people because I think it has been necessary and, I, and I, I feel it will be coming up again today. But for all the nerd stuff we talk about with pop culture and comic books and, and, and movie and television history, my big gripe with the uh, talk after the fact on this episode was people calling that a crocodile. And I had a good hard look at it. I went, it is an alligator. There is a distinct difference between your crocodilians and that my friends is an alligator. So anyone who's describing it as crocodile low key is doing it a disservice. What are the differences for people who don't know? Now it's all down to the snout. Right. Um, now, a freshwater crocodile, of course, has a very long, slender one. Very easy to point out. You know, most Australian crocodiles would look like that. Your, your um, gharials from South America are like that. Um, the um, estuarine, also known as saltwater crocodile, although they can be found in slightly uh, less salty water. Uh, big, uh, big snouts, but also yep. quite slender. Alligator has a, a looks like a, almost a duck bill shape. Which is what this one has, and they're and they're quite tiny and uh, relatively docile. So there you go. That's why it's definitely an alligator, no question. And Gator Loki is so much better as a name than Croc Loki because that makes you think, what is this a guy who's behind what's in fashion? Like, <laughs> is this like a comfortable pair of shoes that an old man wears to go gardening? Boo. Is this the- <laughs> just the Loki, Loki equivalent of, well, they're not Ugg boots, to, to get to the shops. No. You know what? As, as soon as I saw Gator Loki, my first thought was, now, is that a pet of Kid Loki or is there yeah. a whole Gator universe where there's Gator Thor? In the comics, there's the Thor frog, who's known as Throg. So... <laughs> There's also there's a, a squirrel super soldier. The whole Captain America super soldier program, as we well know, even from the MCU, he's not the only one who went through the program. And one of them was, in fact, a squirrel who, uh, who you know, will fuck you up if you touch his nuts, which, you know, is, is, a, is a, probably something most of us would live by. But there you go. So, yeah, the idea that Gator Loki's in there, hopefully watching Laura Keat live on a weekly basis, big fan. <laughs> big fan. And, you know, can I also say I loved the Richard E. Grant costume because obviously we saw in WandaVision the idea of doing the classic Vision costume as a Halloween um a Halloween outfit, which he said was actually based on a luchador wrestler or something like that to sort of be able to pass it off. But it was a nice little nod. That Having seen that took nothing away from Richard E. Grant, especially from the angle that it was shot with the, the highest granddad pants you can get was, was a wonderful sight to behold, and I can't wait to see it in full force next week. 
And it, it looked exactly like the Jack Kirby Loki. It was yeah. phenomenal because the Jack Kirby original one, he he is kind of a bit snarly and, you know, he, he's not he's not handsome Tom Hiddleston. No, he he's, is. he's very grizzled. Yeah. The, the really elaborate horns as well. I mean, you forget when all these all these characters began, the underpants on the outside, I'm not really sure where that came from. It was obviously Shazam and Superman being some of the very early comic book heroes. It comes from the strong man. It's it's the strong man era. Yeah. Yes, those sort of uh, those onesies, those old style onesie things. Um, I'm so, yeah, we should have had more leopard prints. I'm surprised Superman really Superman should have had that outfit, but a leopard print leotard over the top, yeah. while holding just one of those comic book style big black weights over his shoulder, or a little twirly moustache. Come on, man. It's a great marketing opportunity there. I look forward to the um, multiverse timeline variant of Superman one day. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, all of these costumes. It was, this was always the problem that any, like the original um, Spider-Man television series, the original 60s Batman television series, all of them had the big, the, the original, and I'm talking original 80s, I think it was, Captain America movie. They all, and the Flash TV series from the late 80s, early 90s, was all just trying to replicate the comic book costumes. Yeah. And they were never made to be seen in real life. So I love now that, that as much as we've gone to updated versions of them all that work perfectly, even for Captain America, and who thought they could pull that off? To see the Richard E. Grant original Loki costume was, wow, worth hanging around for that post credit scene. Well, you know, it's one of my frustrations in the comics when they start making the costumes look like what they look like in the movies because, because the costumes from the comics can't look like that in the movies because, as we've seen, they look ridiculous. So you have to try and tweak them so they fit into a real-world aesthetic because movies are closer to that. But in a comic book world, the physics of that universe is... Oh yeah, you just put on some lycra and it fits perfectly, and you look fantastic. So I, it fr- always frustrates me when they're suddenly drawing Cap with a helmet or trying to make yeah. Batman look more like he's wearing armor. Just, just put him in the suit. He looks great. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Every female character you dr- have drawn has a body proportion size that is just completely unable to have a human being walk around at the best of times. Let alone when. You know, also like Wonder Woman, she's in heels, uh, or, or same with um, uh, Scarlet Witch. Same thing. Just these outfits that just would not work, let alone with the body proportions that you were. She's trying to jump around and do things while she'd be con- constantly putting up, the, pulling up the front of her bodice for crying out loud. So, oh my God, it's just what are they doing with their outfits, Justin? I don't like it. I don't like it. So, um, yeah, we shouldn't get too caught up in all of that. But, uh, yeah, wonderful to see. Absolutely wonderful to see. Was uh, was Classic Loki the one that you were most excited for? or Because the, the four that we saw at the end was Kid Loki, Classic Loki, one that's been called Boastful Loki. Yes. Uh, and, and, of course, Gator Loki. Is, is, it, uh, is it just Classic Loki that you're most keen for, or did one of the others yeah, stand out? Yeah, and look, maybe it's because it's Richard E. Grant as well, who I know is going to do a tremendous job of this. Oh, um, quick um, edit point, just quickly. I knew I was going somewhere with this as well. Just going back to the costumes. Noted a couple of weeks ago as well, I should point out, when Sylvie first entered the TVA and she's kicking ass in there, she had a cape on 
and looked like she was really struggling with the cape, which makes you realize, yeah, superheroes should not wear capes. The Incredibles movie knew what they were talking about. Capes are fiddly and get in the way and are just going to get you tangled up or sucked into an airplane jet. I always liked it that, you know, the reason Batman had the cape was because it was bulletproof and it was part of, you know, hiding in the shadows and Superman can wear a cape because he's fucking Superman. So, you know. Well, initially else? Superman's was meant to, that was how he bounced bullets off was he, was, he would use his cape. He couldn't even fly in, yes. in the first action comics. He couldn't fly. He could just jump really high. Yeah. Um, Amazing calf muscles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, check out those quads. It's, it's you know he he does not skip a leg day. I want to make that very clear. Um, yes, I am. I I think because it's going to be Richard E. Grant. That's that's probably the Loki variant I'm most excited about. But also, does Gator Loki talk? Let's let's not forget that we we've, we've got a talking raccoon and a talking duck already in the MCU. So a little, a little plotting, scheming alligator, wow, that could be amazing. But I think it's, yeah, uh, I think the, the idea of this daggy, grumpy old character played by Richard E. Grant is probably why I'm most excited about that. But also the, uh, the idea of boastful Loki having, having himself a, a hammer, I can never pronounce the name, I call it Meow Meow, but... Um, yeah, you know, I think uh, th- there's something in that as well. So here they are living in this potentially post-apocalypse world rather than in the the pre-apocalypse. Maybe that's how they're all hiding after the fact because Avengers Tower, this seems like it's New York City after the fact. Avengers Tower has been decimated. So uh, And also come with us if you want to live Terminator style. Um, it will be interesting to see where to next and how many others have they rescued along the way. You know, I I just thought of this then. If Richard E. Grant is the classic Loki, Mm. who's the classic Thor? Oh, wow. That could come up. That could be that could be great. I reckon if, if they're gonna do it, it should be Dolph Lundgren. I was about to say Dolph Lundgren. That's great. <laughs> Which is a bit of a that feels like a bit of an obvious choice. Um, or for Australian listeners, celebrity vet Dr. Chris Brown. But he's too young. He's too young, a little bit too handsome. You need a you need a yeah, you need the Ivan Drago-ness of it all. Um, and did he was it him that played He Man? Really was a He-Man, yeah, right. Yeah, I reckon that's why we both went there. Christopher Lambert, maybe Christopher Lambert with a blonde wig. Oh, my God, that'd be great. But also he needs to look like he needs to look like he's like he he stopped working out years ago. He needs to sort of have a bit of that old man. Oh, as what well. about what about Mads Mikkelsen? Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was also thinking there's a very there's like a septuagenarian professional wrestler by the name of Ric Flair. Look him up. Bleached white blonde hair, um, wonderful facial expressions with a woo catchphrase that I think would go very very well as as Thor, especially with the big feathery robe that he likes to wear. So now, if I can throw back with a question here. So this to me leads to, so Loki has landed here because he quote unquote got pruned. So what do you think pruning is if it's not killing people? Because obviously we had, we've had a number of characters pruned along the way. That's what they were trying to do to Sylvie. Uh, Mobius has been pruned. 
So what is pruning? Discuss. If it fits in with the potential of Kang the Conqueror again, uh, I wonder if it's Limbo. Because Kang has been known to, you know, traverse through limbo to get through time, etc. And I wonder if it's that's where they're being shunted off somewhere that's where they can't be resurrected from. Because if they go to if they go to hell or Valhalla or whatever, then there's uh, isn't the cycle of Ragnarok in the comics anyway? Ragnarok has happened so many times, and then then they come back. But if they get shunted off to limbo, then they're stuck in that place, and then they can't be resurrected it's and can't make their way like back. kind of like putting them into the, the trash bin on your computer, but you haven't clicked empty trash just yet. So they're in there, tossed away, but not completely gone, so they can still be brought back. So I just, yeah, I hope Mobius has found his jet ski because that would be, that'd be nice. I thought that was a really lovely... Uh, Reunion, obviously, last week it was what it was, and and quite clearly, as pointed out last week, that, that they know where they're headed. Um, so we're straight back into this wonderful interplay between uh, Loki and and Mobius. I will just quickly say, my wife didn't see last week's episode, and normally we would watch together, and she she knew that I watched it. And um, you are now like a tax deduction in my house when she said, oh, wait, did you? She said, have you watched this already? And I said, she doesn't have an accent like that. I don't know why that happened. Did you watch this already? I say, did you watch this already? <laughs> Believe that, I'm, I'm, I'm here uh, trying to pick pockets and clean chimneys and you're bleeding watching a fiver for Loki, bleeding neck and nary a thought of it, governor. Anyway, and then she went off to sell some flowers on the street. So um, she said, have you already watched this? And I said, yes, I have. And she said she was about to chastise me, but then looked and went, oh, wait, was it for work purposes? <laughs> and I said, yes. And she said, okay, that's all fine. And uh, she said, what did Hamo think? I was like, well, I have opinions too, but that's fine. Um, but I did say to her, but we can watch uh, this episode four together. And I did say to her, you didn't miss anything any uh, last week. Like really it was just about Loki and the variant Sylvie just bonding and finding uh, him finding about the TV ad. That was, there was, that was really it. You didn't miss a lot. If you missed this episode, you would need to watch it. Yeah. I personally would have probably amalgamated uh, the two episodes. I would have gone back and forth between Loki and Sylvie bonding and Mobius and, you know, uh, Ravonna starting to pull apart and juxtapose the two. Sure. That could have been a simultaneous thing for sure. Because I would like to have seen, I know that she set up uh, all those variants in the timeline to be able to get close to the TVA, but I'd like to have seen them dealing with it mm. and that that could have been instead of a, a goddamn shanty or all that time you know catching a train that they didn't need to catch we could have been going back and forth between the two and then that would have been perfect to me yeah and i think i still would have accepted that that they have formed a bond and a union of some kind. I know we were sort of making jokes about the idea of it, you know, being a, almost a, a type of masturbation because you're falling, in, you're falling for yourself. But at the same time, it is that idea of loving yourself, which I quite liked that sort of metaphor there, um, which is obviously 
indicative in this episode. There's a bit of you know, we sort of slowly see seeing Loki become self aware of of who he is as an individual with his his arrogance and things like that. But yeah, I I would have bought that in a condensed version again if you're hopping back and forth to sort of show a passage of time we didn't need to see all the other fluff we could have just seen them somehow quickly get onto the train and have that discussion and like you say Mobius and Ravona having their discussions as well as all this stuff starts to unfold um I have a question too at this point are there any more analysts so when Mobius is in there saying, well, I, I always knew I was your favourite and why can't I go in and interrogate the variant, Sil- uh, Sylvie? You're like, well, yeah, who else is going in? Ravona said, oh, no, no, I'll do it. Well, I see her as being his superior because when we first we introduced her, she was kind of playing that judge role that she had at the uh, opening of the episode. Like she was going, you know, when someone comes in and they're being judged and, and put in front of you know, some administrator. She had that role for Mobius. Um, so I'm sitting there thinking to myself, "We, I don't know that we've seen any others, unless I'm. I need to go back and rewatch episode one or something." There's a lot of people around, but is it really only Mobius? So is he kind of is this relationship between the two of them? Him saying, "Well, I always knew I was your favorite." Is well, yeah, because he's the only one. He's the one getting played here he's the rat in the maze perhaps yeah or are there lots of variations of mobius taken from different timelines yeah exactly so it seemed like there was you know, almost this uh ravona saying to him i don't want you to go see sylvie um obviously because she doesn't want him at face value i don't want him finding out the truth but there's just a lot here now with the Ravona character, how she took Sylvie and Loki, and she was the one to say to the two time cops, the two minute men, okay, I'll take it from here with the two of them and I'll take them into the timekeepers who, you know, she, you assume, would would have understood quite clearly a animatronic characters from the Muppets Creature Workshop. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it seems like she, maybe she's is somewhat more of a puppet master than we, than we realise because it seems she's the one trying to keep everything in control. She's the one who keeps preaching to Mobius, eh, you're overthinking things. Oh, what, you're going to listen to a Loki? Oh, my God, you sound like one of them now. Like, hey, just let's remember what this is all about. And I'm, I'm only trying to protect you, mate, because you're the one who brought in a Loki and he escaped. She says, not with him probably not being aware, that's exactly what happened to her with Sylvie, with a variant who escaped. So there's that's a really intriguing storyline for me at this point, which is what I was kind of hoping for last week and we didn't get. Just another little character dangle in front of you. It's not the Timekeepers, so who is it? And what did you think of the Timekeepers reveal? Well, look, at first I was going... All right. <laughs> All right. What are these things? And I must admit, I uh, have, uh, for shows like this, watch with, with closed captions on just to sort of help with character names and things. If I, I, you know, when you're trying to review something, you want to make sure you're not missing anything. And I must admit, for two of those blokes, I wouldn't have understood a word they were saying if not for the, for the subtitles. But um, 
interesting how they kind of look a bit like comic book Kang if we are going to go there again. So maybe this is the nod to Kang that the MCU are doing. Here you go. The timekeepers could have been him, but it's not. But we've kind of put that out there at least. Um, But it, it just becomes a bit of the Wizard of Oz. Okay. Well, who put them there? Who created these you know, Abraham Lincoln in the Hall of Presidents from Disney World. Um, you know, like, <laughs> what a what an amazing uh, piece of work that that was. And I'm now also thinking from Sylvie's point of view, I know she always wanted to go in and she was going to stop the timekeepers because you guys are trying to keep this perfect timeline and I'm out to stop you. But she was very happy just to go in and chop someone's head off. Yet when she has Ravona, she's like, I want answers. So at no point did she, was she asking for answers from the timekeepers. Who are you? Why are you doing this? Why was I yanked out of my world and my history erased? She had a lot of questions and none of them were for the timekeepers before she was willing to take them out. So that was an interesting interesting point for me. Yeah, there's something... The, the Sylvie character is a strange one for me so far in that I feel like it's got a touch of the Clara Oswalds where it's like... Sure. Y- you keep telling me... Another Doctor, uh, another Doctor Who reference on a low-key uh, podcast, uh, take, a, take a swig. Have a drink. That's a drinking game for this, surely. Yeah, definitely. But <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's like I always thought uh, Jenna Coleman was an excellent actor. I always thought she was quite good in the role. But there was just a lot of telling us that she was important, and I never felt that she was important. And I feel a little bit that way about Sylvia as well. It's like you keep telling me she's great, but like she's not – She's not as sly as the Hiddleston Loki. She's not as funny. Like, she hasn't been really given a lot of gags or, or, or stuff. And it's, it's a little bit one note for me so far. And I, I kind of keep wanting her to have not the – I think the actor's doing a good job, but I want her to be given more to do. Yeah, and maybe that's the point. Maybe that's, you know, the, the – Maybe she's not as important as we think. Maybe she's not a variant. She's the one who keeps saying, I'm not a Loki, I'm not a Loki. Maybe it's, you know, you should be taking that at face value. It's not her trying to say, I'm my own individual. It's her literally saying, I'm I'm not. I'm a different character. Um, We saw, obviously, her taken as a, a child. Great to see Asgard again, looking nice. Um yeah, uh, yes. I mean, haven't we all felt like in that, and, and whether it's metaphorically or physically, just in that state of just, I've done gigs where it just felt like Sif just kept coming back in and kneeing me in the nuts every five seconds. You know, when you're dealing with an audience and you're like, oh, no, I get it, I get, and you, and to the to the same point of like, I'm going to start accepting that this is happening now and I'm going to acknowledge that this is happening in in a way of hopefully bringing the two sides together. Boom, there it is, another kick in the nuts. And you're like, i still got another 10 minutes to go. This is going to be hell. Um, so, yeah, all of that was was great. But I'm starting to think, yeah, maybe, maybe in a positive way, there's less to Sylvie than we've been made to believe. But, I mean, like not as a Loki, like she could just be... You know, we don't know where she was taken from. Maybe she's 
you know, is she a future daughter? Is she a um, previous mother? You know, we're talking about timelines and stuff like that, you know, could be Loki's mum, which would just be weird, but also would explain the affection. And there's been a lot of talk about relationships with parents and stuff. Like we don't know where she's come from. We know she's Asgardian and there's Valkyries and things in her toy set, but we don't know from when in Asgard she was taken. There's a bridge there, so you can sort of gauge <laughs> at least before before Ragnarok. So there's at least that. Um so there, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued again. Now there's another interesting question to have answered. So if the timekeepers are not real, which I feel like, I don't feel like that was the kind of reveal where you go, oh my god, I wasn't expecting that. I feel like we were expecting something shonky was going on with those guys, and as soon as we saw them, I immediately thought, like you, oh David. They've escaped from Disneyland. Those guys aren't yeah, in charge. Yeah, you kind of went, well, this is quite clearly yeah. This is and quite that, clearly not in any way meant to have you think that they are anything important because they don't. And I will say perfectly rendered and, and um, uh, realised that you go, that's, it's the perfect point, same as, you know, Richard E. Grant's costume. It's that perfect point between, oh, this looks a bit dumb and it's to, 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 to make it look dumb. It's kind of like when someone has to act like they are a bad actor. Oh, yeah, hard. It's a, a real nuance and they, they pulled it off with the visuals here of like you go, oh, especially the first one, you're like, oh, okay. And as each one came along, you're like, all right, geez, this one looks like a walrus. What's a sponge walrus? What is this? And that's when I went, oh, okay, this is going to be fun. This is going to yeah. be real fun. Yeah, I Very enjoyed Wizard that. of Oz and I love it. Yeah, I enjoyed that as well. Um, so I, I have a theory on what the purpose of the TVA might be. Do you have any ideas of what you think might be going on? I don't know what what well, all I can think of is I'm looking at the um the alternative. So basically they're trying to keep that perfect timeline, right? And then we see this, you know, this branch of oh my god, when when two people even hold hands, look at this incredible branch that none of us have seen before. Um and everyone's marveling at that. We're trying to keep a perfect timeline. I, I'm less about the, well, why are we trying to do that? Although I'm sure that's, I, I get that that's important and we'll, we'll get to that. But what I'm thinking is our outcome will be that everybody's allowed to do whatever they want. We've got branches going left, right and centre. There's no more pruning. There's no resetting of timelines. And perhaps that leads to a multiverse of madness, if I may. That leads us into... Uh, Doctor Strange. So that's kind of how whatever has to be cleaned up perhaps there or, you know, this, this idea of a, the multiverse of madness comes from all these timelines being being ripped apart. But as to motivations for timekeepers or, or whoever is in charge of that now and what is the fallout of robots having their heads chopped off, are they still able to function or not? And what does that mean for the timelines? We'll see. What do you reckon? Well, so one of the things that's been interesting is that with the early episodes of Loki, they're sort of saying, 
some stuff that happens in the timeline's fine and some stuff isn't. And there's kind of no rhyme and reason to it. And it's it, there might be, but there doesn't appear to be. And it's a little bit like, well, even if they put the Infinity Stones back at the right spots, then... How do you explain Cap being allowed to go off and live that life? You know, that he shouldn't have been allowed to do that. So if we stick with – if this is a series that is going to go into Doctor Strange and it sticks with the idea of Kang the Conqueror going into Ant-Man Quantumania where Kang is the known villain, maybe – what happened when the Avengers went back and got the Infinity Stones, maybe Kang in the future has taken advantage of that and he has managed to create a timeline where in the future he's in charge and he's created the TVA to make certain that the timeline doesn't get reset because he's already set up everything nicely for him. That's That makes sense. I, I feel that it's about someone... Uh, much like the the one in however many million chances of beating Thanos, um, this is the one timeline that benefits a particular individual, and yeah, I would assume it's Kang or someone. Certainly, your big bad, and that that's why all of this has been set up. It's a whole, you know, everyone's been plucked from different places. Maybe you know we find the final episode, Rabona pulls off a mask and that's who she is or something like that um, because she's the one who is pushing the timekeeper myth. She's been in that room multiple times. Surely she is also going, oh, guys, looking a bit muppety today. Um, are you sure, like, you know, those things always glitch at some point where they would have just been going, timekeeper. So she's the one that's been pushing the mythology, the importance, the reverence of these three beings that only she seems to be able to have the access to. So there's some connection there. But, yeah, it's definitely for one person's benefit, and I don't think we've met who that person is yet. If we have, they are in some sort of disguise that will be revealed somewhere towards the end. And, look, again, we've only two episodes to go, but... This episode proved we can get a lot done in forty-four yes. minutes. So is maybe maybe it's Miss Minutes. Maybe Miss Minutes is the Agatha I've Harkness heard theories. Because you forget she was dancing around on Loki's desk, and she's the one who had all the information. And you know, uh, shouts to my fellow voice actor Tara Strong, who many people will know from anything from. Uh, uh, Teen Titans Go to DC Superhero Girls to My Little Pony. She's done a lot of stuff and she's the voice of Miss Minutes. So if it turns out that she's the ultimate villain in this, I will be overjoyed. Um, and we'll go out and buy a, a Miss Minute piece of merch from the front of my desk. Because she was also, she was avoiding a lot of questions too when Loki was like, so tell me more about yourself. She's like, oh, look over there, something else is happening. I'm going to jump around on your desk. Imagine so, all the phases of these TV shows. Uh, you know, WandaVision, it was like, it was Agatha all along. And then uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it was Sharon Carter all along. <laughs> oh, it was Miss Minutes. <laughs> so a question, do you... Do you think with all of these Disney shows, 
that there's ever going to be a season two? Because I'm looking at this and going, oh, there's still some things that maybe we don't get answered because it's a to be continued, but I'm not sure that any of these shows are ever going to be continued. They're only sort of feeder shows that can can only exist for a certain amount of time before you have to get back to the storylines, the main movie MCU storylines that pre-exist to slot these little ones into, you know? Like you can't do, as mentioned last week, you couldn't do the Rogue One movie sequel, um, the Han Solo movie sequel. Like you have to at some point hit your your timelines and you also can't mess up pre-existing storylines, canon, history because these characters are running around doing doing their own thing that could mess with a movie that you know, is still yet to happen in in their timeline. So I'm guessing by the end of this, that's that's it. And maybe this is all about creating a new Loki for us. I don't know how you know how many of our characters at some point will get will get a reboot like we did in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And maybe this is the way of getting a new actor to play the Loki role as a variant that we now deem as the anointed one. Um, so I'm interested to see how it plays out. But I don't know. I don't think that we see more than one season. No, I, I, I feel I like know. it's I feel like it's limited series, you know, like limited series comics, and maybe they just kind of keep their options open. You hey, know? here's a question for you: with all the timeline stuff splitting, could this be a way of them getting into the what if universe series that they've? Talked oh about? yeah, the cartoon that's coming out. They've already started seeing, you know, funnily enough, the worst spoilers in the world aren't websites; it's merchandise, and we've already seen action figures being promoted that have like an Agent Carter version of her as Captain America and all sorts of stuff like that. So uh, that this might be what opens up that world, which would be pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I, getting back to it, I, I think because uh, I think the Captain America series will dovetail into a Captain America movie now. And so, you know, maybe, uh, you know, uh, Natalie Portman's going to be a version of Thor or the new Thor in Love and Thunder. So maybe Sylvie... I think that has been confirmed. Yeah, so maybe Sylvie is her Loki. Is that a possibility? Yeah, that'd be great to see. And I still think there's a Young Avengers thing. We've got this kid Loki as well who... who, um, Yeah, I feel... And and some of the stuff that came up from... um, WandaVision as well sort of leads me to thinking there's either a series in that, probably not so much a movie, but you could do a series on that. So um, I do feel like they are just going to do a very, very good job of having a really healthy movie franchise universe that also bleeds into the television because quite clearly that's what we're doing, that the two are married. However, the, the TV series will work almost in their standalone little universe, um, you know, in, in almost a complete opposite to what happens for DC, whose movie franchise is shot and hemorrhaging and struggling along, bleeding heavily, but still managing to limp across film to film to film. But it's television shows. If you've ever watched any of them, The Flash is incredible. Supergirl is incredible. The new Superman and Lois Series, which is all about Superman, who now has his two sons going back to Smallville to just be a dad. I highly recommend it if you've got Foxtel or Binge, check these shows out because DC 
on television are doing an amazing job. And I feel that Marvel have already got the movies done and now they too are going to be making some really amazing TV as well that just live side by side. Well, you know what's interesting is like earlier on we were talking about would they really introduce Kang the Conqueror in a TV series and, you know, when you have the movies coming out, it would kind of feel like it would cut people out of the experience. But what was interesting was I was listening to a podcast last week about, uh, you know, will cinemas survive? And right. the the fact is, is that keeping... It's a bit of a joyous conversation. Oh, yeah. yeah. In on. Uh, so it's, a, it's a real bummer, but the... Uh, Jeez, what was were, the outcome? <laughs> yeah, well, cinema's fucked. But yeah. the, the thing is, is that if you can release your movies on the site, do you know what I mean? Like on the Disney yeah, Plus right. site, that is, rather than getting one ticket sale at the cinema, that's a year of subscription. So it started me to think, well, maybe they are going to introduce Kang in a TV series because then anyone who wants to see the Ant-Man movie thinks, oh, I didn't see that. I'll go back and, uh, you know what, I'll get the Disney subscription. Kevin Feige knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's across all of this, TV shows as well. So you know that uh, he was even across the Netflix stuff too when they they had their, you know, they're not relatively, not that successful ones. But apparently he was more, he just had a nod. I was like, oh, you can't mention Jessica Jones because, you know, he hasn't, the timeline doesn't work for that story or whatever. So he just kind of, I think, looked over it, but much more hands-on with these ones. And at some point you would think it would make sense to say, let's, now that we've, Again, these long-term seeds that get planted of, okay, by Wonder, well, even though they've gone out of order, but WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, and all the rest that will be coming after the fact, at some point will then kick into, yeah, major stuff is going to happen here. Same as you have to watch an Ant-Man movie. You have to watch a Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy movie, even though the first couple of Thor movies barely scrape by. You're going to have to watch them because everything adds up and everything is important in the long term. I think that will happen with the TV shows and, and they have a point where they will confidently pull and they know which one it will be, pull the trigger to say a major thing has happened. If you haven't watched it, it's your fault. You're being left behind with the rest of the MCU. That's why you need to subscribe to Disney+. Plus. I can absolutely see that. You know, the Young Avengers idea, you know, we've already seen uh, the Scarlet Witch's kids. We see Kid Loki and that. There's going to be uh, Hayley Steinfeld as the Steinfeld, as the new Hawkeye. Uh, there's, yeah, there's the new Ms. Marvel. Like, you're already setting up all of that stuff there. Um, could it be Loki who's in charge of the TVA? Oh, yeah. Hey, that's nice. As a means of, geez, I never thought about this. So this whole thing we could find has been orchestrated somehow by him to save his own life almost. So you think if he was able to, you know, as much as we saw what we thought was and assume is his demise as even he did, you think now, now this Loki, it's okay, this is bootstrap paradox stuff because 
we've seen lo- technically this Loki has died. Yeah. Thanos crushed, crushed his windpipe. We've seen that. But at the same time, going back over his timeline now, he has seen that death and now has the opportunity to prevent that from happening. So maybe that's by him finding out who's running the TVA so he can now run it, fix the timeline so it becomes his, and and we're seeing that timeline where he takes it over. Whoa! I smell burning toast, but I think (laughs) that's a possibility for sure. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) No, absolutely. Absolutely. I had not thought of that, and there's a way of making that happen and uh, and it and it making sense i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to seeing uh where it leads also you know the importance of the uh character you know maybe he's the one who now i think about it maybe he's the one who ordered sylvie to be taken from her timeline for a particular reason i think great when she was in the lift with Ravona and said, you know, why was I, why was I taken out? And Ravona saying, I don't remember, which I don't believe, but at the same time, what a slap down. <laughs> it was so oh, good. Mate, the most important, the most important thing in your life, I don't even remember why I did it. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. That is that is cold. I'm going to keep that in my back pocket in case anyone ever says anything <laughs> to me. I don't even remember who you are. That with you, you're a craven uh, a conniving, craven, pathetic worm. I hope you know that you deserve to be alone and always will be, and then kick him in the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> what a great, what a great way to live your life, just doing that on repeat. Um, but yeah, that could uh, that could that could be it yeah. for sure. But I still I still um, uh, yeah want to know, you know, Sylvie's involvement too, and and what it means for. All of the the hunters B fifteen is obviously now aware of her history, and of course, when you're going to have that conversation with someone about, oh my god, you've just turned my world and everything I believe in upside down. Let's have that conversation in the pouring rain. You've got a teleport that can take you anywhere. Just do it inside the building. Just open that teleport inside the hardware store. Yeah. <laughs> just allow the supermarket that just allows you to be out of the rain. I don't know if you've ever tried to have a conversation in pouring rain, but it usually is like, huh? What? Yeah. So what did you, huh? They've obviously had their flu shots. Yeah. Well, quite clearly. Yeah. Um, but I love the reveal. Of course, then when Ravona comes back in and there's um, our lady Loki dripping wet with a wonderful grin on her face. Um, but yeah, what does it mean for any of those people that were taken out of whatever timeline they were in and, and turned into into TVA Minutemen and, and Hunters will be will be an interesting one to see the fallout of as well, I think. Yeah. Uh, one uh, final thing for you, an Easter egg in this episode, uh, Ravona's, is it Ravona or Ravona? It's with two ends, but but pronounced with one. So Ramona. Yeah, that's what keeps confusing like me. Like Ramona. Yeah, her number is A twenty three, which coincides with the comic Avengers twenty three, which features Kang the Conqueror and where Ravona makes her first comic debut. Which I, look Easter eggs. You have to be careful with Easter eggs because once upon a time it was like, remember when you found out that C three PO and R two D two were in the hieroglyphics for Raiders of the Lost Ark, oh and it was my just, gosh, and yes. it was just a cool little idea. But it seems like now, if that happened now, 
you'd be trying to kind of everyone would be saying, "Oh, so that must mean Han Solo's the de- uh, the exactly. descendant of." You know, Indiana Jones. What does it or... mean that little uh, ETs from the movie of the same name appear in in um, uh, on the intergalactic? Yeah, Revenge uh, of the Sith space uh, political meeting, and they get a vote. Yeah, you go. That's not what. I, that just doesn't. Just one of those things that just doesn't sit well with me, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, by the way, speaking of, I went back and watched the uh, final. Uh, post-credits scene for WandaVision. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And couldn't see what on earth you were talking about, so I thought maybe mine hasn't been updated and then went onto the internet to see the before and after shots. I can quite clearly see that it's a different landscape than it was, but I, what, it looks to me like it's just a weird ghostly figure that it is floating, but I think it's more just lens flare or something. I didn't see a very specific looking figure it's just a bit of a white blob after we recorded that the the very next day it came out that they it was a digital effect that they hadn't wiped off properly <laughs> the smudge on the screen all of this talk for a smudge on the screen it definitively looks like a figure with a cape yeah sure and the trees look much better though i can see they obviously went oh we're not happy with our trees can we have another crack at the trees please sure i'll allow you that <laughs> Uh, I'm so disappointed. Just make the smudge something. <laughs> yeah. Just tell them. Don't, don't, that's the thing. Say maybe it is. And just let them just keep chasing their tail for the next two years. Any final thoughts before we finish this podcast? Um, uh, I feel like we covered everything. I'm going to have a... Uh, oh, you know, while you're looking at that. So can we definitively say now that, for, you know, for a long time, The Dark Knight was the gold standard in superhero movies. That was, a, that was influencing everything. And is it now into the Spider-Verse? Oh, wow. Yeah. If, I must admit, I feel bad. It took me way too long to watch that film, no matter how much I had heard how great it was. As a, a movie, as a story, as a way of introducing so much comic book Law of all these characters from all these different multiverses and stuff. And just at the end of the day, just the way it was presented, I've never seen a film so original in such a long time, the different styles of animation and how incredibly well they all weaved together. Um, I mean, I did, like Spider-Ham was a comic book that I read as a kid. I was into, there was like, a, there was a weird period where they in the 80s did exactly that. There was Spider-Ham, Iron Mouse, um, uh, who else was there? I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, Captain America Cat um, was another one. They had <laughs> animal versions of their major characters. And I, for some reason, I just really gravitated towards the, the stupidity of them. Um, and they made that work as well. So, um, yeah, I, I would agree. Absolutely. That has set a bar that's so, so very high and just sits there on its own. It doesn't link to any other films, but in many ways is superior to every other one that's in the main timeline. Welcome to the new norm. Well, I'm looking forward to these next two, and I'm glad that this one got us back on track. Uh, you know, I was a bit worried. I was like, don't you dare tease me into something delicious and... Not follow Look, through. I didn't. I didn't necessarily, as a, as I would like to think. I, I pointed out last week. I, I didn't doubt they knew where they were going, 
and I still don't doubt that they know where they're headed. Whether that's a resolution that fans and and viewers will be happy with is really not our problem, um, or their problem, I should say. It's ours. Um, but they certainly do have a finish line in sight. But I still feel that that one palate cleanser episode three. If I was rewatching, I would just skip that. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel it's majorly important. Again, maybe I'm wrong, but all this episode proved once again is, wow, you can get so much done in such a relatively small amount of time. In six episodes, I'm happy for it to be breakneck speed, especially when I've got a week to rest between and theorise and talk about it like this. You don't need to have one that just puts the brakes on like that. So, um, yeah, again, we'll just sort of see where that that takes us, if at all, or whether it's just one of those ones you go, oh, yeah, I can just sort of skip through that one in future. The shanty episode. Fuck the shanty. I'm completely anti-shanty. Thank you very much, Rove. I don't have a quip. I've got nothing to say to you. once again to Rove for helping me unpack the latest episode of Loki. No episode of The Leftovers this week. As you know, I like to take a break between the seasons to let the finales really sit in the back of my head and marinate. I know you might find that frustrating in this binging world, but just just nice to sit on it. Like it's that, that oh my God, that ending, it makes me inarticulate. I loved it so much. And I just want to think about Kevin singing his way back to the world of the living. Oh, it's wonderful. It's just sitting back there, marinating. So we'll return to The Leftovers next week. This Thursday, I'm going to upload our next Sophia Coppola movie, The Beguiled. It was supposed to be out a couple of weeks ago, but with the lockdown looming and only one uh, Coppola movie to go, I thought I'd hold it back until this week. It's hard for us to catch up, meaning Ben and I. So I've been loving her movies They've been great content for Ben and I and, you know, we've really enjoyed digging into these and The Beguiled is fantastic. If you haven't seen it, you've got a few days to, if you want to, uh, watch it so you know what we're talking about or maybe you'll listen to the podcast and think, oh, well, maybe I'll go back and check that out. And also, uh, Ben and I have decided on who the next director is. So after, well, when we put up the last one for Copla, I will... uh, you know what? I'm sorry if it's annoying that I go Copla Copla. I don't know. I can't make decisions. It's like Ravona, <laughs> Ravona. <laughs> Not really sure sometimes. There's a lot going on. Uh, but we've uh, decided who the next director is. So we'll do a little win shit off my desk competition, which you can uh, join in at the private Facebook page. Um If you're enjoying us, please give us a top review on Apple Podcasts or even... Re- Uh, maybe recommend us to someone who you think might enjoy the work we're doing over here. Word of mouth is always the best way to get this podcast out and about. And I appreciate uh, the people who have been doing that. I've been seeing some of it here and there online. So thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for some really nice reviews up there as well. uh, It is greatly appreciated. Let's finish today with a quote from author Mackenzie Lee as we continue looking at the different ways people write about the character Loki. Mackenzie says, Darkness moves in a different way than the light. It is always there before the light. It has to be faster and smarter and stealthier. Loki was not his father. He was not his brother or his mother. 
He was a Mora, and she had been led away in chains and banished to Midgard. He had to be smarter and stealthier than she had been. He had to learn everything he could and never let on how much he knew. He did not feel like a prince. He may never be king. He wasn't made to be a soldier, and he wasn't certain if he wanted to be a villain. He wasn't certain if he had any say in that matter. The only thing he knew for certain was that he was powerful. Powerful enough to end the world. Until then. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.